2: Before we get to today's episode with Walt Akins, I want to introduce you to another of the great sponsors of the Five Reasons Sports Network, and that is Uncle Al's Sports Cafe in Sunrise. This is the new location on 10035 Sunset Strip. It's on the corner of Sunset Strip and Knob Hill. We just had a watch party there. It was terrific. They've got great food, the wings, the fried pickles, everything. Is delicious. Big menu, lots of variety, children's menu, and they've got lots of drink and beer specials for football games. On Thursdays, they're going to have $13 buckets of beer, domestic, $18 buckets imports also they've got all kinds of drink specials sunday they got same beer specials and then additionally they're going to be giving away a television for sunday football so make sure that you get out there they've got an outside bar with a bunch of TVs ton of TVs inside you can't miss it they got them tuned to all of the different games they'll get you the game that you want and they've also got some games for the kids there so it is a great time uncle Al's sports cafe in sunrise again this is the new Uncle Al's corner of Sunset Strip and Knob Hill And now, on to the episode. Welcome to the latest episode of the 5 Reasons Podcast. I'm Ethan Skolnick, here as always with Chris Whittingham. Now that you've found us on your favorite podcast provider, make sure to hit the subscribe or follow button so you get all of our episodes as soon as they post, as well as all of our old episodes. We just posted an episode this week with Dan Lebitard, 45 minutes on his career in Miami sports, we also did an episode recently with Dolphins receiver Jakeem Grant and with Dolphins great Richmond Webb. Well, today we're going to talk to somebody who has a big role on the Dolphins, even if you don't hear about him all the time. He makes an impact in games, and that's Walt Aikens. And Walt, we really appreciate you making the time uh, for us today.
3: Hey, man. Thanks for having
2: me. I want to start here with you. Let's go back to the very beginning, because I was looking at some videos on you when you were drafted by the Dolphins back in 2014 in the fourth round talking about how you knew or you wanted to be a professional football player from the time you were, what, five or six years old? Is that right?
3: Yeah, something like that, man. I remember my pops took me to a Panthers game in Charlotte. And um, I remember standing uh, in the bleachers, and I told my dad, I want to play out there one day. And um, he said, you will. And he stuck with me forever. And just having that come into fruition is, is just an amazing blessing. Well, were you
2: – your father was an Army brat? Is that right? Or you were an Army yeah, guy.
3: Yeah, my dad was an Army guy, so um, he was real disciplined. That's where I get a lot of my, my focus and stuff from, from my pops.
0: And is that is that something that uh, sort of has an effect on your personality in other ways? And how similar is that to the way that football organizations work? Because that comparison is made all the time. What similarities do you see in it?
3: Well, I feel like it helps in life in general. You know, you always have somebody... Coaching you in one aspect or another it doesn't have to be sports related. It can be life, you know, just going around talking to people, getting different insights and views, possibly change your outlook on a certain situation, and that's all coaching. That's all being disciplined on and off the field. So yeah, I really do think my, my parents' strictness had a had a real good impact on my life and how I am today.
2: Well, what was growing up in the Charlotte area like for you?
3: It was great, man. You get a little bit of everything there. You get the country life, but you also get all the, all the seasons there. You get your city life if you go more towards downtown, and uh, I feel like I, I got a little taste of everything in Charlotte. i fortunate to come up out of that, that great city-state. So when you say
0: that you wanted to be a football player from an early age, that feels like something that's a bit far-fetched. How did you actually go about doing it, and sort of when did you realize that this isn't just a dream of mine, that I'm actually fairly close to achieving it, and that I can achieve it?
3: I mean, as time as time went on, I just stayed focused. I kept that goal in mind and knew what I wanted to do in the end. So, I mean, I always worked or tried out with the next man, you know. Uh, initially, I, w- I wanted to play basketball. That was my, my goal, and, and the football thing was, was more of a dream, but I started realizing in high school when I was being labeled a, a, a good player, one of the top players in the state, that this could actually happen. And then as the levels go on, you know, uh, college ball, and start rising above the college ranks, and I just felt like this is actually happening. That's
2: crazy. Growing up in Charlotte, the two pro teams there, the basketball and, and football teams, are relatively young, right? Like, I mean, you know, because the, the Charlotte basketball team hasn't been there for that long, came in around the same time that the Heat did, and then left, then came back in a different way. The Panthers were an expansion team not all that long ago. Did you have a fit? Was there, was there a team that you picked there? Were you more of, I guess it would have been the Hornets and then the Bobcats? Yeah, and, the Hornets.
3: It was the Hornets. I wasn't really too much. I I was a little bit older when the Bobcats came around, and I had a favorite team by then. But uh, it was definitely the Hornets growing up. And uh, that's the team my dad tried out for after he played uh, pro ball overseas. And, um, yeah, I I used to love going to the Hornets games, man. And uh, when the Panthers came, that was my team. I just remember Jake DeLome, all those guys, Steve Smith growing up watching all of them. And wanting to be out on that field with those guys.
2: Who is your favorite Hornets player? Uh
3: Muggsy Bose, man. <laughs> Muggsy Bowes is my dude and um, and he ended up coaching one of my my AU teams. His son was on one of the younger teams and he helped out with us and the older guys and just just having a a, a walking living legend right there uh made us a big impact.
2: Well, you gotta admit it, you could post up Muggsy Bowes, right? I mean he's five
3: feet <laughs> cool. right? You're you're nearly six feet. Yeah yeah i I don't go Mc now least though. <laughs>
2: so. so all right, so take us through it a, a little bit, as Chris was asking you, you kind of come to a certain point where you realize I'm really good at this at football. I may be able to make a living at this. You go to Illinois, I know you've talked about this a little bit before that there was kind of a misunderstanding there, which led to your transfer. Is there anything you can tell us about kind of what happened?
3: Yeah, I, have, I was six years old basically just hanging with the wrong crowd, got into trouble I shouldn't have gotten into, and um was after leave the school, but it all worked out in the end. You know, it was just a life lesson I had to learn from, from an early mistake. My only trouble, the only trouble I've ever been in in my life, and uh, that was the first trouble and the last, and I use it now as part of my, my story, my testimony. Like, everybody makes mistakes. It's about what you do after you make this mistake that separates you from everybody else and separates you from being a good or a bad person. And you you got to be able to bounce back.
0: So what did you do to kind of go from there and and not be able, and not repeat that mistake and and become a different person? How did you grow from that?
3: Well, I was never a, a troubled kid or a troubled child. or Anything. It was just about refocusing myself. So I had to get back on track, and I just it was gut check time. So you really got to say, hey, where's my heart at? Do I really want to do this? If not, then there's no point for me even. And trying, like, I came this far to get up now. So it was really that chat. I had, to, I had to take a long look in the mirror at myself and, and say, all right, you got to straighten up. You got to get back on track and you got to make this work if this is really what you want to do for, for your life.
2: Talking to Walt Akins here. So you go to Liberty and you have a lot of success at Liberty and then you're a draftable player. And I just wonder how many times because we talk about the interview process that players need to go through. And you're talking to so many different teams. They're doing so much research on you. That you come into those interviews, and they seem to already know everything about you. But how many times did you have to explain what you just explained to us to those evaluators? Because I, I, I over and over, right?
3: Probably about thirty-two times.
2: Some <laughs> <laughs> in that area. I mean, did you get the sense, Walt, that they believed you, that that they understood what you were about? Or or did you sense that some were skeptical? Because I I would think that, you know, with your pedigree, what you did at Liberty, you might have gone even a little higher than the fourth round, if not for that situation. So so did you feel that you made your case to the evaluators there? Yeah,
3: I feel like I did. But, I mean, everything happens for a reason, you know. So at, at that point, I could only tell them my story. Uh, I can only tell them what happened, and and everything else uh, I had to leave it up to God. I I can only control what I can control. Everything else is up to the people who are put in a position to make those decisions. So they asked me my questions. I told them straight up. Uh, it's my first time ever being in trouble. My last time ever being in trouble. It was a mistake that I I shouldn't have made, but I did, and I learned from it. So it was it was really. Up, up to them to decipher.
2: So you come down here to the Dolphins in the fourth round. You come down here as a safety. You start playing special teams uh, right away. But take us through the first interception that you had with the Dolphins as a rookie. Just, I mean, I, I've got to assume that you know exactly what happened on that play and that you probably played it back a few times in your head.
3: Yep. It was against the Oakland Raiders in London. And uh, we are in cover four. Had a tight end running vertical, ran an out route, uh, jumped it. Picked off the seven route and took off down the sideline, man. I remember it like it was yesterday. The a great feeling to have a real NFL ball in your hands in a real-life game. <laughs> it's something that you, you dream about. You dream about getting picks and making plays in the NFL. And, and when that actually comes into play is it's a very special moment that you'll always remember
0: and I feel like it takes so much to get to that point I, I've you know been working with a, with a few ex-players in the course of my media career and the way that they describe all the things that happen in one play of a football game it seems like so much to even be in that position and then take advantage of it if you're a defensive player I, I can't imagine obviously you're like you said your dream is to make plays and to get interceptions and all that but all that it takes in order to get there. Can you articulate, sort of? Do you remember like what coverage you had on the play and all the different responsibilities that you had to let to you getting that interception?
3: Yeah, man. We went uh cover four, and I remember having number two, which was a tight end. I was on the right side of the uh, right side of the field, and um, I got a vertical stem, and he ran a I ran a deep out, and I got a good jump on the ball, uh, undercut the, the the seven or the out. And uh picked it off right on the sideline, tiptoed a little bit, and uh took off right down the sideline. Got is as funny. much as I could. I wanted I wanted six on that, I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> I blame my boy Mike B for that. He should have blocked the quarterback.
2: well he's not well Michael Thomas who you mentioned there he's not here anymore so you you can blame him he may not hear the (laughs) podcast we might
3: I I call him and tell him that all the time (laughs) (laughs)
2: no no doubt about it well it is I mean what Chris is asking though is is totally true because I think football fans sometimes forget all the intricacies that go into this right like I mean uh, you know Mm -hmm. they see you as athletes and they don't recognize the hours and hours and hours of film work that it's not film anymore. I know it's, that's not how you guys process. It it. will always
0: be film, Ethan. It'll always be film.
2: I I guess it's always film. The the work that you guys do to study everything on every play. And I I just, and I mentioned this before, I got once got a, a chance to spend an hour with Jason Taylor, watching a tape of offensive linemen with him and just him breaking down Everything that happens and him being able to read the slightest movement of a finger of uh, you know a, a knee of a leg yeah. to know what was going to happen on that play, and I just think there are so many things going on in football with eleven on eleven at all times that that fans just miss that they watch the quarterback uh they see where the ball goes but everything else that's happening it's just it's just a much more intricate game than i think it's given credit for
3: yeah it's so much that the untrained eye doesn't see uh like we know what we're looking for so so we can dissect and analyze certain things but from the outside looking in i mean it just looks like a regular football game they don't see the the complex schemes and everything that goes into it which is I mean, which is kind of fun. It's like a little secret. Like, you know, a team has their own secret. We we know what's going on. The fans don't know what's going on. They can't really see how we handle or decipher certain things. So it's kind of cool in a way. But um, I, I like explaining it to people that, that don't really understand because it opens their eyes that we do so much more than just play a game. We actually study this game and, and know the ins and outs and it's so much more complex than what you really think it is.
0: But at the same time, though, like, does it kind of bother you that people are so comfortable criticizing you know, the things that you do or the things that your teammates do without an iota of the knowledge that it requires to really have a critical eye for this stuff?
3: Uh, early on, it did. But as I got older, I mean, it comes with the territory. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that's what they get paid to do. They get paid to analyze and critique and talk uh, whatever they want to talk. Um, it doesn't bother me anymore. But I would love to see some of those people actually play on the field or play a football game. That'd be cool. <laughs> you know how that would go Walt. Like you know how that would go. <laughs> Maybe we could get something like that. Uh, that should be a five I reasons. Think I, I
2: think that should be a five reason sponsored event. Uh, we'll, we'll, we'll do that at the Davy <laughs> Practice Facility. We'll get a bunch oh, of God. our listeners out there and get some <laughs> of you guys, and, and basically you guys just <laughs> run down on on punt. You know, on punt team. Oh God. And, and see how see how that goes, but that is that is something I wanted to transition to, to you with because you, know, you mentioned the first interception. And I know that's like sort of the highlight uh, for a defensive back, but you you've transitioned into being a core special teams player, and I guess is that a different preparation? Because I mean, you don't know how much you're going to be on the field in in the base or the nickel defense or the dime defense um, for the Dolphins, but you do know you're going to be out there. Uh, for kick coverage. You do know you're going to be out there for punt coverage uh, and for all those other special teams. So what for a special teams player, what is the preparation like for a Sunday?
3: You got to think about it like this. Every special team's play is a one-play game. Literally, it's a a whole game in one play. Everything is riding on that play. There's no second down. There's no third down. There's one play where you got to go all out, stop the man with the ball, or but some open for, for your returners to, to get yards and put your offense in the right position. It's one of the toughest things to do is thrive in special teams because you have so many people out there, so quick, uh, everything's happening so fast, and it's a lot of space. You know, running down on punt, it's not easy making plays running down on punt. So you might have two jammers on you plus a, a shifty returner. So, I mean, you just got to look at it from the mindset that you can't be stopped regardless of what's throwing at you. Um, like I said, it's a it's a one-play game. So uh we we take care of it by um by we call it our one eleven. Uh every player on the field.
2: This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. What's the first thing you do if you had an extra hour in your day? Go for a run, take a nap, maybe check the stats of the latest Miami Heat game? I've got a better idea. A lot of us spend our lives wishing we had more time. The question is, time for what? If time was unlimited, Flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So learn to make time for what makes you happy with help BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com/MiamiHeat today to get 10% off your first month. Again, that's BetterHelp H-E-L-P dot com slash MiamiHeat.
0: What's so special about Hero Bread's soft, fluffy, and delicious breads,
2: buns, and tortillas? These ultra-low-net-carb baked goods contain zero sugar, fewer calories, and more protein than the leading brands, and are high in fiber to support gut health. Shop now
3: at Hero.co. As has their job to do. They, they do their 111, and then as a whole, we'll make up a team and we'll be successful on special teams. So as long as, as, long as everybody does their job and um, is in that right spot, then, then we're straight. And we we pride ourselves on uh being accountable. We hold each other accountable. So if I got a person that's gonna be outside of me in practice, then in the game I expect that same person to be outside of me and, and do their job. So that's how we that's how we really approach each day. We we hold each other accountable and we wanna win. We wanna go out there and be the one making all the plays. So it's a competition in our room. Is
0: special teams something that you think is undervalued in the league? And I also, I'm also curious about what kind of tightrope it is, because, like you said, it's a one play game. And if, let's say, the snapper, right? Like, I can't imagine too many people have thoughts about John Denny, but he's been doing the job for 15 years and I feel like we would notice if he started to make mistakes. It feels like it's the kind of job that people only really notice when mistakes are made, but what kind of tightrope is that as a player that if you miss your assignment on a special teams play, it can be an 80-yard touchdown, and that totally changes the game?
3: It could be. That's that's why we hold each other accountable. Right. And we, yeah, if, if one person is out of, of their position, then it could be an 80, 80-yard play like you said, but. At the same time, you got 10 other guys that, that have your back. So if you slip up, shoot, then we got 10 other guys doing their part, trying to get to the ball as well, holding each other accountable. We might be mad, but shoot, we're going to get them down. <laughs> For real.
2: So well, I want to do some rapid fire with you here. All right. So I'm, I'm going to give you a few questions. You throw some answers uh, at me. I, I have been checking out your IG account a little bit. So some of this comes from there. So I'm, <laughs> I'm going to throw some stuff. At you, uh, first thing here, first, because you have a lot of photos with him on there, and you mentioned him earlier. How much do you miss Michael Thomas? It's
3: my boy, man. You know, uh, Mike really, really showed me the ropes of uh, special teams and uh, just showed me how to how to go about doing certain things, how I carry myself, and to take pride in this. A lot of people may not think special teams is that important, but like I said, it's a one-play game, and uh, for a lot of us, it's, it, it, it keeps people around, keeps people on teams, and uh, a lot of teams see that those players are, are really balling and give them other opportunities and chances. So this is very important. It's vital.
2: I saw a photo on there. Uh, you were hosting a Super Bowl party in Charlotte last year, and there's a photo on your IG of you appear to be talking trash to Tom Brady. What did you say?
3: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, man, you have to ask Tom that one. <laughs> I think he has a lot of answers.
0: You, you, you think I he heard you through the television?
3: Yet. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah, we made a we made a little little uh, bet though. We made a promise, and uh, I can't say nothing. He told me I can't say nothing of what was spoken, but he told me he'll tell y'all. So y'all go ask him.
2: All right. So we'll we'll have to ask Brady about that. Hopefully, in an AFC yeah. Championship game afterwards. That would that would be a nice place uh, to go with this. All right. Um, also, I saw some pictures of Chick Fil A on there. So uh, you're on a desert island. Um, you you can only eat Chick Fil A. You can order one thing from there for the rest mm-hmm. of your life it's the only thing you're ever going to eat again what is it
3: spicy chicken sandwich deluxe add bacon pepper jack cheese large fry and a sweet tea.
2: <laughs> is that no shake no shake
3: Ooh. my daughter always wants nah, the shake. Shake. no shake no shake I'm good with the sweet tea okay. I'm from the I Carolinas I like that
0: I'm a big fan right. of the lemonade from uh from from Chick-fil-a but uh is there yeah. is there another kind of is there another uh, fast food place or another uh or another chicken place that that is your or is Chick-fil-a the place
3: Chick fil A is the place, man. <laughs> but I walk with some other chicken places, I ain't gonna lie. But uh Chick-fil-A is always clutch, man. You know they got the, the best servers around. I'm thinking about going to get my oil changed up there. <laughs> <laughs> well, you're,
2: you're, on, you're yeah. I mean you're yeah. on the line long enough. They come take your order on the line. The one eight Miramar, like exactly. goes down the block. I mean you can you can basically like trade stocks, you can do whatever you want while you're waiting for your chickens.
3: You I heard they got a little pit crew, everything <laughs>
2: Before we get back to the episode, we've got something else cool to give away. I feel like people just keep giving us tickets. We've got Colombia-Venezuela tickets at Hard Rock Stadium, 8 o'clock on Friday night, September 7th.
0: Yeah, I can assure you that will be a ridiculously fun atmosphere. Colombia-Venezuela, natural rivals in any sport. But Venezuela, an up-and-coming nation in the world of soccer. Colombia, obviously, off a run in the World Cup. They're eliminated by England in the round of 16. But I can assure you of this. There will be yellow, there will be blue, there will be red in the crowd at Hard Rock Stadium. There will be many people there, and it will be loud and raucous. It's going to be an amazing environment. We've got two tickets to give away, courtesy of our friends at Dural Toyota. But first, Ethan, we've got a code word contest as it relates to this episode.
2: Yeah, we do. So if you've been listening to this episode with Walt Akins, all you got to do is tell us this. What does he order at Chick-fil-A? You don't have to tell us the whole thing. Just give us the basic order, tweet it to at Five Reason Sports. First person to tweet it to us wins the tickets.
0: We don't just have any old staff meetings here at the Five Reason Sports Network. We have watch parties at bars surrounding major games. And now we're gonna be playing games. We're gonna be having a Five Reason Sports soccer match at Soccer Zone Indoor. It is on the corner of Flamingo and Miramar. In Miramar, You come hang out with us. We'll be playing kind of a round-robin style of soccer matches. There will be many torn ACLs. But most of all, Ethan, here's how you, the listener, can play with us.
2: Yeah, I already have a torn ACL, so I don't know how much I'll be (laughs) out there, actually, Chris. Uh, That's not a real good idea. But here's how you win, okay? Go to the 5 Reasons Sports page on Twitter, at 5 Reasons Sports. We've put up there in our profile a link to our patron page. All you got to do is click on that, sign up for Patreon. We reduced the price from $5 to $3 for just September so that we could invite you to events like this, show up at the event, and show us that you subscribe to Patreon. And you will get on a field, and you will be able to look, make three, two, one, and you will get on a field, and you will be able to make a lot of us, well, maybe not me, look absolutely ridiculous. (laughs) This is our first ever match. It's gonna be at Soccer Zone Indoor Corner of Miramore and Flamingo, 7 30 PM on Wednesday, September twelfth. All right. How many times have you because I this is a Charlotte favorite because I spent some time up there. How many times have you been to Mertz downtown?
3: Mertz? Mm-hmm. Uh been a couple times. Uh, oh, I was gonna have some oh I was oh I was hoping you had some carowinds well, all right, that
2: one too. I, I mean, what what are your spots there?
3: Uh, Carowinds. I've been there uh, two hundred and fifty six, two hundred fifty seven thousand times. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. man. My pops used to drop me off at ten o'clock in the morning and pick me up at ten o'clock at night. <laughs> so yeah, man. I used to spend all my days at the Carowinds.
0: Um, right, is there to... uh, is there is there any places in Miami that have become your spots?
3: Um, the bed.
0: <laughs> oh, no, come on, chick for a <laughs> Some things never change. You can you can take the man out of That's North it. Carolina, but you're not taking the North Carolina out of the man. <laughs>
2: I'm thinking of over there now. We got two more here. Yeah, a little bit. I, I li- really I like want. Though, I really nah, want. Let me stop. I like Bojangles, man. We need, we need
3: a Bojangles down here in South Florida.
2: Yeah, you know, we do. We don't have any. We got Popeyes, but we don't have Bojangles. So Bojangles is much better. spicier, I think, the Popeyes. I, I like it a little bit. like it a little bit better. I want to get to two more that are a little bit more serious here. Um, one is that, obviously, there's a lot of talk in the news about kneeling, about Kaepernick, as we talked to you today. That's a big topic with uh, with the Nike campaign. You have a different perspective on this, though, than a lot of uh, than a lot of players, uh, because you've been working with the Police Athletic League for a long time, and so you you've kind of been in the trenches on this, um, as opposed to people who are sort of shouting from the sidelines about what NFL players should do, what the police should do. I mean, you're in the middle of it. So, what kind of knowledge can you lend in terms of your relationships that you've had? with police officers, the work that you've done with the PAL and sort of your perspective on the entire debate.
3: Uh, I feel like the, the Police Athletic League is a great um, organization to help trouble kids and, and get the youth and, um, active jobs in the community. You know, um, growing up, uh, PAL saved a lot, of, a lot of the kids I grew up with lives because they, they grew up in um, uh, bad housing uh, projects or neighborhoods that weren't so good, um, had a lot of family support. And uh, the the whole PAL organization just gave kids a, a sanctified place where they can go and and just be free, you know, go out there and and have fun with other kids there. his play sports, um, and a lot of the PAL programs that that we offer aren't even sports related. A lot of them are after school programs just to make sure that kids have a place to be that's that's safe and getting them. Um, and keeping them from getting into trouble.
0: How'd you get involved with it?
3: I was a child kid growing up. That's the first football team I ever played for. Um, basically, we have maybe like eight to ten teams in Charlotte, and they were all in this organization. So based off your closest neighborhood, um, that's w- what team you played for. So a lot of the kids I went to school with, uh, we're all on, on my teams, and a lot of kids I grew up with in the neighborhood. So um, that's usually how it goes, and you build those relationships that last a lifetime. Like I still talk to the kids I grew up playing with today, and um, and we talk about anything. We talk about life, we talk about sports, we talk about um, these things in general, old memories, and a lot of them are are successful now and could possibly help me out. I could possibly help them out, and I, I owe it all to power because I wouldn't have built these relationships and bonds. Uh, that I have if I wasn't a part of the organization. And I feel like since uh, Powell gave me so much to look forward to, I feel like the only way, uh, for, only thing for me to do now is to give back to the community, is to go talk to those uh, same kids that grew up in the same neighborhoods as me. And if they are, are low on confidence or they don't feel like something's going right, I can be that pushing factor like, hey, I made it out of here, man. We can all do this, man. It's going to be a grind, but hey, it's, it's work. We're don't, we going don't to push through it. So, Walt,
2: how do we bridge that gap? Because, I mean, I, like you said, you have a really close relationship with Michael Thomas. I know he was extremely active um, in the community. Obviously, Kenny Stills has a very strong perspective on this. He went out around the country this year, actually, to, to talk to people firsthand to sort of develop his perspective. You've got other guys like Robert Quinn who have a perspective on this issue. And then we just have a lot of screaming from other people about what you guys should do, shouldn't do. What is your advice? How, how do we get people to the table to actually take action on this stuff and sort of build relationships instead of like sort of as corrosive as the debate has become?
3: Well, the, the first step was raising awareness. And uh, I mean, from, from media sources, you can tell that awareness was raised. And I guess the next step is coming together to try to make a change. Um, instead of arguing both sides at this point on on who's right and who's wrong, who's should kneel, who's 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 shouldn't. Man, I feel like we should just come together. We we need to have an executive meeting, come together and and see what we can do, what we can implement in these communities to possibly change some of the stuff that's going on. And um, I don't feel like any change will come about with all this arguing. I feel like until there's an actual sit down and, and, some things change. then is it going to be hectic. But, um, that's about all I have on this topic at the moment.
2: So final thing for you here, Walt, we were looking at some of the expectations for the dolphins this season. And I know you said that, you know, sometimes you kind of want to get other people out on a football field with you to see how hard it is and see how it goes for them. Um, right now I was looking at it. Uh, we have a, we, we do business with a, with a betting site that has the dolphins 32nd out of 32 teams in projected wins. Um, I think ESPN Bird. didn't have, didn't have a single dolphin in the top 100 in terms of players. I think NFL Network had only one, which was which was Cam, uh, who was somewhere in the 70s. So make your case here. What are people missing about this team?
3: Nothing. You just have to see. Simple as that. Count us
0: out if you want to. Right. Right. Exactly. That was going to be my perspective. Which is is that something that that motivates yeah, football players because i i'm always curious about motivation and the way that it can kind of be used but is there and nobody believes in a sense about the team
3: i mean if that's what they want to believe then it is what it is man all i can do is go out there every day put the ground in and show up on sunday sundays the results will show if they're right then they're right if they're not then we'll see i don't really do too much speculation on what they're talking about so you got to play our game play my game and we'll be straight.
2: What's strange about it to me, Walt, is that you guys made the playoffs and won ten games just two years ago, and now you got your quarterback back. <laughs> so, um, I, it's, it's odd. It's a little bit odd to me that that kind of this is where the conversation has gone. But as you said, got to kind of uh, prove it on the field. That's that has nothing to do with anything you said to Tom Brady, right? We don't get any guesses about what you
3: said. No, I told you
2: <laughs> all right all right well walt we really appreciate the time um you, you, you were a great guest you also made us hungry for chick-fil-a and i got one about a mile and a half from my house with a playground playground so i might, I might but but i'll say this Walt. i got one more thing on chick-fil-a why is it have you noticed this when you go to chick-fil-a i, I know you go to the drive-thru most of the time but i go inside and at the playground it's like, I go inside
3: all the time okay so you go in. In. i want to say okay, okay. to everybody
2: Okay, so you go inside. So, do you notice this? Because this drives me crazy. Do you notice the parents? It, do you go to one that has a playground? Because a lot of the Chick Fil A's they have the little playground, right?
3: Yeah, they had a little indoor playground. Okay, so
2: do, do you notice this too? The parents just leave their kids and they just they take off. It drives me crazy. It's a safe
3: place. Chick-fil-A is almost like Kyle. It's a safe environment for kids. They they, they do
0: charitable work?
3: (laughs) That's right. Exactly, yeah. Charity work and everything.
0: I feel like we made a mistake not making this whole podcast about Chick-fil-A. I know. We don't don't have an endorsement
2: for them, but uh, but maybe, maybe we'll work on that. Walt, we really appreciate it. Best of luck this season. We'll find out what you said to Brady, I guess from Brady at some point and hopefully you guys I know you're not focusing on it but hopefully you guys can prove a lot of the uh, the doubters wrong right now and, and, and hopefully you'll get that second pick this year we can come back and talk to you about that as well
3: most definitely I appreciate it